0: with the words I'll be reading from Scripture this morning. We're reading from Matthew chapter 24, the first 14 verses. Um, Matthew 24, verses 1 to 14. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to, to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked, truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of weakness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Thank you, Tony.
1: And uh, that was really well read. Uh, keep your Bibles open. We're going to be um, looking at a, a couple of different passages around uh, the passage we just had read this morning. So for those who are going, oh, this is going to be interesting, he's going to exegete uh, those 14 verses and should be exegeting the rest of that whole chapter, which is uh, a real doozy. Um, well, it's been seen as a real doozy. It's um, actually not so much of a doozy when you uh, do have a look at it. But we're not going to be going into too much detail about it. Okay, so I'm not here to... Um, start getting specific about details and everything um, but it's going to be a really important linchpin to what we're looking at this morning, the theme that we're looking at this morning uh, as we prepare ourselves uh, for Christmas and uh, we've started really early uh, most of the town seem to have started really early. Uh, I think I've said it before just down uh, our way, Tari West over that way there was a, a corner house that I remember he put them up in October, his lights, his Christmas lights in his house. It was the middle of October but gracious me um so we've started early so we thought well why not we have missed out on the usual anticipation and celebration for christmas over the past couple of years so this is an exciting time to do so so keep your bibles open and we'll have um, a look through there but um, i'd like to pray pray for us as we come to god's word father we thank you for your word we thank you for the living word in the person of jesus and we thank you for your written word uh, that reveals him to us, the truth about him, the truth about our world and the truth about ourselves. We thank you Holy Spirit that um, beyond our human words and thinking you see fit to uh, meet our needs, to help us understand, to help us to grow and you speak to us exactly what we need to hear. So we ask that you would do that this morning uh, as we look at this topic, as we look um, at your at, at your word as the, through the Bible. And um, yeah, may we leave this place better equipped, and encouraged, and inspired—not to be thinking about ourselves, but to be thinking about others, and the desperate need uh, that the majority of people in our world are in at this time. We ask this in His name. Amen. Well, um. I don't normally talk about the Marvel series, but um, who remembers the Avengers? Uh, I checked out at the end of phase one when I realised that there was going to be a phase two, three, four and five. I thought, oh, good gracious, I can't last the next 12 years for each phase for that. So this uh, was one of the movies towards the end of phase one. Uh, It's called Ultron. It was when all the Avengers, the superheroes get together and are facing yet again another threat uh, to peace on earth. And you may remember uh, Tony Stark, not Tony Avent, Tony Stark. It's a bit of, there's a few similarities there, Tony. I just realised. Ah. A moustache, that's about all. OK. Um, but uh, Tony Stark, you know, he's that uh, philanthropist, he's that entrepreneur. He says it uh, far more articulately than I can. Um, and he's this incredibly overly confident, arrogant superhero um, because he's basically invented his own powers. If you think about it, he wasn't born with powers, he invented his own powers through his own intellect. He is someone who is determined that science and technology and innovation will be what saves the human race. And as part of uh, his investigation, he discovers this higher form of artificial intelligence in this particular movie, and he wants to marry this artificial intelligence with his own benevolent invention called Jarvis. It's his computer program that runs his whole life. And he, he figures that this, um, this kind of Ultron that's turned up, if he could just blend it with Jarvis, he would create this perfect um, protection network around the globe and be able to ensure there would be peace. It's kind of like this gatekeeper program that would protect Earth. Uh, if you're into the, the Marvel series, you'll know that the, the previous movie, there was this awful enemy that invaded from outer space and nearly threatened to destroy the entire planet, which was basically New York City. Um, you can tell the Americans write the story, but um, it was going to destroy the whole planet. And this, he's been jaded by that, then he just saved the world. And so this computer program is what's going to be the best thing to help the world. And Tony Stark, played by uh, Robert Downey Jr., becomes so convinced that this will work, he's obsessed with the pursuit of developing this new technology. And he charges on ahead in his normal, uh, brash and confident way. And uh, he's going to bring about this radical plan no matter what happens, no matter who stands in his way. This is a plan that he'll be achieving through science, technology and innovation. Well, naturally, the rest of the Avengers are a little bit more cautious. They have concerns particularly the ones that are more uh, just as much brain as they are brawn. And, uh, and they raise these concerns with Stark, and they say, hang on a minute, if, uh, if we're going to be giving artificial intelligence this authority and power to protect us, well, who's going to protect us from the artificial intelligence, right? It's a good question. Well, in typical Tony Stark fashion, he quips back, you know, this is about peace in our time. There's a lot at stake here. Peace in our time. Now, for those of you who are a little older and don't know what i am talking about with the Marvel series, you will know that that's very similar to a quote said by uh, the British Prime Minister, uh, Neville Chamberlain, in 1938. He said, peace for our time. And there's no doubt the writers, they're pretty intelligent people, despite the movies they produce, um, they would have put that in there. Peace in our time. That's the goal. Peace in our time, peace for our time. That's what drives Tony Stark in his adventures, in his efforts. It's what drives politicians, apparently, most of them. It's what drives a lot of people. It might be something that drives you. Will we ever know peace in our time? Well, this is kind of ironic in the Marvel movies, superhero movies, because have you ever noticed that with each ensuing movie that keeps getting produced in this eternal franchise, the storylines are basically the same, aren't they? It's very simple very formulaic, a new enemy emerges and threatens to destabilise global peace and the hero or the heroes rise up and they figure out how to overcome the threat and just by the skin of their teeth in the nick of time they restore peace and order to a chaotic world until the next movie which begins with a nice peaceful existence only to learn of a new threat that's coming and a whole new problem to solve the same basic motive over and over again this desire for global peace and yet For all their power, the superheroes uh, can't actually achieve peace in their time. The battle starts over and over again. So where is the peace? Where is the peace? I I don't know about you. I ask that often in the world. You know, we cannot get away with watching the news or anything without um, raising that question. Where is the peace? Well, in the lead up to Christmas, um, the Christian calendar is uh, marked by a season called Advent. Being good Baptists, we ignore calendars and so on. Um, probably to our own peril, to be honest. Uh, But Advent is a great season. It served God's people for millennia, actually, or centuries, let me not exaggerate, lots of centuries, uh, where it was a time in the lead up to Christmas to focus our minds, to open and soften our hearts in anticipation, uh, putting ourselves back 2,000 years in anticipation, remembering the first coming of Christ. 2,000 years ago, God brings his peace into the world through Jesus, God in the flesh, The promised Messiah King. The one who would come to bring about this kingdom of peace on earth. And God's son actually gets called this title from the Old Testament, the Prince of Peace. That is who he is. Um, Just to recap from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, one of the greatest prophets, the one who foretells the most, some 700 years before Jesus is born, foretells the most about this child that's coming, this Messiah, this King, that infamous or very famous um, passage we sing it in carols for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counsellor mighty god everlasting father the prince of peace and jesus has come and we believe that preaching to the choir here Uh, not that all of you can sing, and it is so good speaking of Christ to have uh, the millers here with us this morning, uh, can I just say. But Jesus has come and we believe that. We we trust in him. We know his ministry, his mission. Um, He came to give his life in our place. He died the death that we all deserve, a death that came about because of God's judgment towards sin in the world, a world that decided to go it alone and do things in their own strength. But, you know, even though as much as we believe that, um, we know he's the Prince of Peace, we'll sing the songs, but how often do we pause and we wonder, well, where where is this peace? It's missing. Where is the peace that was meant to come with Jesus? Because we only seem to see glimpses of it. Why is there so much chaos and pain and suffering in our world? And this series is going to help us look at that. This morning we're looking at global peace uh, in the next couple of Sundays. um, Not next Sunday, I don't think, but the two after, before Christmas. I can't remember the dates now, anyway, three Sundays before Christmas, we're going to be looking at peace in terms of relationships and at peace in terms of um, ourselves. But this morning we're looking at global peace. Why is it so elusive? Why, when we all say we want and long for peace, does it so readily evade and escape us? You know, it's one thing to look at the struggle for global peace and see it play out in movies, right? That's fantasy with superheroes and stuff. But let's think about the real world for a moment. I mean, even now, there is plenty of conflict, isn't there? Famine, floods, fires, chaos. It seems to rule and reign. It seems to be the dominant message that we hear all the time. There are political power struggles. There are threats of war and actual war going on right across the globe. Just as there was back in Jesus' day, just as there has been right throughout 2,000 years of history ever since. And just, according to Jesus in our passage from Matthew 24, as will always be the case until his final and second coming. Just looking at our world for a moment, um, there's actually a website you can go to, and it's um, pretty legitimate. It's called the uh, Global Peace Index, um, Any website that's promoted from the front here will be a thoroughly researched and legitimate one, and that's why you barely hear me promote any. Um, So Global Peace Index uh, is visionofhumanity.org forward slash maps. Uh, You can go to that, but they have this map, and it's an updated uh, map. They're actually the world's leading measure of global peacefulness. There's such a thing. So yes, there are people that put their heart and minds to this. Um, And the report presents this most comprehensive data-driven analysis on trends in peace right around the world. And so far they've covered 99.7% of the world's population, which by the way, last week I believe clicked over to 8 billion. Did anyone else hear that? Yeah, they they can't actually tell you when because it's a clock that goes pretty fast, but it was sometime this week, a population of 8 billion people. And so this um, this, uh, website, they gather the data and it measures the state of each country's peace in terms of three areas. They look at the level of community, safety, and security, so how peaceful is it to live in this country? Um, And then they look at the extent of ongoing domestic and international conflicts, so are there internal wars? Are they at war? Are they trying to gain power in the world? And then they look thirdly at the degree of militarisation. So how seriously about, are they about wanting to have war or be involved in war? What's their military look like? How do they, uh, what budgets go towards their military? Have a guess where Australia's ranked as of 2022. Any, any guesses? At 163 countries, where do you think we might sit? 27. We're 27. So if you just look at that world map, you've got the, um, you probably can't see it. The the black is most peaceful, the green is second most peaceful, uh, the yellow is kind of in the middle, uh, amber, the orange there is not so peaceful, and red is um, definitely not so peaceful. Look, New Zealand's probably a good place to go, isn't it? Again, New Zealand, they always win. Anyway, just one up from us. There you go, we're 27th. But what you can see from that is quite clearly the world is missing peace. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Three things I want to look at this morning, just briefly. The first one is this, from the words of Jesus and consistently throughout scriptures, do not be surprised by this missing piece. Do not at all be surprised by it. We've had opportunity uh, in our time uh, recently uh, in our history as the, the world continues to keep trying to run itself and, um, without so much as recognising and acknowledging God's rightful place. And um, There's a lot of uh, hysteria and and panic, and there's a lot of uh, fear that motivates and manifests in all sorts of different ways. It can manifest really obviously, where someone's timid. It can manifest really strangely, not so obviously, where someone is really confident and bold um, and and determined with something, and you think, well, they they seem pretty confident, but if you dig a little deeper, it's actually a response uh, to a sense of fear and uncertainty. And chaos, and because deep down we expect there to be peace, we know there should be peace, but there isn't, and it concerns us. But Jesus says, Don't be surprised by this. If you're going to be his follower, if you come into his kingdom, we don't be surprised at this. This isn't something that ought to take us by surprise. In the same way, persecution oughtn't be something that takes us by surprise. In verses um, 6 and 7, of Matthew 24. Jesus is um, in this context, he's speaking to his disciples, he knows that his time on earth is drawing to an end and he begins to make some really bold statements about what soon uh, would transpire as a result of his death and resurrection. The key to understanding Matthew 27 is to realise this, Jesus is talking in a mixture of both what's about to happen like in the next kind of month in his life uh, as well as um, what's going to happen perhaps soon after that as well as sort of In image-wise, what's going to happen down the track, but not so much about this. We often take chapter 24 as all about this, and we fail to realise he's talking mostly and most significantly about what's about to transpire probably in the next couple of weeks of his life. Namely, at the start, the the disciples are walking around they go, look at the beautiful temple buildings, Jesus, you know, didn't our, you can imagine it, didn't our ancestors do a marvellous job at building this temple for the third, fourth time? Um, It's magnificent. And they're looking at all the buildings, and Jesus goes, Yeah, you know what? They're going to be leveled in about three days. Like, that's what's going to happen. Now, what's he talking about there? Because the the temple wasn't leveled in three days. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his death. He's talking about his death and his resurrection when he says the temple will then, after three days, be raised. So there's um, a whole lot of um, metaphor and imagery that Jesus is using. But of course, his disciples, like so many of us, We hear him say that, but we just don't understand, we just don't get it. Particularly then, at this point, they would not have realised what was about to happen. And and they certainly didn't understand a lot of what Jesus was talking about. But in verses 6 and 7, it's very clear that Jesus knew, uh, had a perspective, being both God and man, of what to expect in this life. And he says, you're going to always hear about wars and rumours of wars. You're going to hear about nations rising up against nations and kingdoms rising up against one another and the implication is you know, kingdoms rise and fall and nations rise and fall. If you look at the pattern of history, this is why we need to so much involve ourselves with history, is you start seeing the the big picture and you think, this is just a pattern. So where am I in this pattern? Where are we in this pattern? It puts perspective into where we are in these particular moments. Nothing new here. All the other kinds of chaos, like natural disasters, you know, in the Middle East, earthquakes were pretty well it. wasn't a lot of opportunity for tsunamis, for example. Um, <clears throat> but earthquakes, and, and it's, it's a, again a, a summary of natural disasters. These things, sadly, are par for course in a broken world, a world affected by sin. Jesus knew this was going to be the norm across our globe. And so peace in our time was a little bit ambitious. It is, humanly speaking, quite arrogant because peace at any time will be something, according to Jesus, that is missing in this broken world. So by all means, we should be grieving. We should be lamenting. There's nothing wrong with complaining, being honest with how that makes us feel. There's nothing wrong with expressing that as long as we do it in a, in a godly way that doesn't damage other people. But we certainly shouldn't be surprised by it. Because Jesus wasn't. And the human experience right throughout history has largely been the same. Global peace is something we can only ever long and hope for. So a couple of examples um, uh, we, we got made aware of again in this series. Um, you know, the nation of Cambodia. at 62nd on the Global Peace Index. They are a nation, if you look at their history, that have rarely known peace at all. I can remember praying for them earnestly as a family growing up. They were the first, um, that was where we had a sponsor child from Cambodia years and years ago when compassion kind of started out, I think. And we used to pray for this country. It was sort of one of the only um, countries outside of Australia, I remember, other than America uh, and England, um, that I sort of drew my attention to as a young person. It's been a contested land for most of its existence. It's common to hear people from Cambodia, the Khmer people, who live there. They express this constant fear they live with generation after generation that at any moment they're going to lose their country and their culture yet again because it's happened so many times before. And even even today uh, they experience this lack of geopolitical peace. Uh, They know it's just a heartbeat away and the traumas that are associated with that and that affect uh, generations to come. That's just one example of thousands around the globe at this time. Don't be surprised by the fact that peace is missing. Well, what can we do? Well, Jesus uh, and God's Word makes it clear that we can, instead of being surprised, we can actually be expectant. Uh, let me read to you from Isaiah uh, chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. It's in your Bible, it's not up on your screen. Isaiah 2, 1 to 5. This is the vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There they will teach us, he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations. He will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears will be hammered into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, you descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. You know, like Jesus, the prophet Isaiah knew that the way things are in the world in terms of global peace is not the way they will always be. And he offered this vision as a prophet, a promise, spoken originally to God's people in their context at the time, to Israel, as they were yet again pursuing a life separate to God, in living life according to their own ways and own failures in their covenant with God. And so the passage in that chapter actually continues on from verse 5, and it's actually a warning to Israel about pending judgment. Uh, that would come their way at the hand of God. Why? Precisely because of their failure uh, to live up to the covenant that he had made with them. And yet in the midst of that, in those first five verses, uh, in the midst of this pending judgment that was promised to come and did come, um, God also promises to be merciful. And that through the prophet Isaiah, God gives this vision of a time to come. A time to come where his people, and indeed all the nations, will one day come to know peace. Uh, a lot of people see this as something that's not yet um, uh, happened or transpired. They think this is referring to a, a point in history where literally all the nations will come and look to Jerusalem uh, and to Judah, to, to Israel as a nation today, to, to rule over them and preside over them, and that somehow there's going to be this, um, this restoration, full restoration to the nation of Israel. It's not how uh, the majority of biblical scholars would actually interpret that. A small but very loud number, very confident number, very well-funded number of, of them would, would say that. It's kind of a mixture. Um, it's, it's metaphorical, I believe, in, in the future. It's basically saying God's rule and reign will come through his son Jesus, the perfect Israel, right, uh, the, the prince of peace, who will be the one that brings about peace to the nations and sort of says silent you know no more wars uh, it's referring to that um but it may also well be alluding to this very passage in matthew 24 where jesus is showing these majestic the temple of the lord these the the, the, the temple that stands tall above all other buildings and is majestic and, and jesus kind of says yeah no nah, it's not actually going to be a physical tangible thing in, in in jerusalem this is something so much bigger than that i'm going to destroy that temple and three days later rise it up in who in himself he's going to be the temple the presence of god living amongst his people and who now is the temple who's the people us the church we are the temple his people and christ the resurrected christ lives in us it'll be through god's people in this world that the peace of jesus the prince of peace will be made known big job right big job but a faithful calling that God has given us and one he knows with his, by his, his spirit, the power of his spirit that we can achieve. So Isaiah and Jesus agree. The day is still to come. God's true and lasting peace will arrive one day. And this is great news to our world. And this ought to be our focus. This big picture focus. This is good news truly for all people, right? All nations through King Jesus establishing his kingdom not just of a unique and special people like Israel, but now a kingdom that includes all peoples, all nations and cultures, the new Israel, in Christ, the King, there will one day be peace. The Bible word is shalom. Lovely word, Hebrew word. It's this wholeness, this completeness. It's actually not like the peace you and I often think about. What do you think about when you think of peace? No kids around, uh, no grandkids around, no great kids around, no... Uh, You you know, you think of somewhere quiet, usually, somewhere where you're not bothered, somewhere where you don't have to interact. Um, Maybe if you're a really interactive person, somewhere where you can interact and no one argues back, maybe, or interrupts. I don't know. Um, Whatever it is you picture as peace, that's only a slither of the biblical description and understanding of God's peace of shalom. This is good news to the many people that live in turmoil, who live under constant threat to any kind of peace people in Cambodia? What about people that we know, the Karen people of Myanmar, living in Thailand on the border there for a long time? Any number of other people groups who live with and suffer from constant political unrest, dispossession of land and the constant threat of war and persecution. This peace on earth is truly good news. It's the good news of coming peace. And you know it's unique to Christianity? Uh, you know, so many other religions and belief systems will teach ways of ignoring pain and suffering, of not worrying about the fact there's no peace. It's not real. Just ignore it. Uh, that's essentially Buddhism. It says it's not real. The wealth isn't real and poverty isn't real. You just find your own path and through discipline and meditation, you detach from the material of this world. You uh, come to a higher plane and therefore... It, You don't get upset because there's no peace, because you're at peace within yourself. The gospel of Jesus cuts through all that. It stands alone, it's unique. No matter which nationality we are, any person from any religion and none, when we trust and follow Jesus, we get to know him more and more, who he is, what he said, what he came to do and be, then we will find ultimate peace, even in the midst of chaos, but a peace that is real and lasting and will one day be all that we know and experience. Don't be surprised by that, the fact that peace is missing for now. Instead, be an expectant people. We ought to be the ones that, in the face of it all, are, have this joy, you know. It makes people scratch their heads or get angry at you, actually. You know, they go, why aren't you getting cranky about this? Why, You know, why, why aren't you... Um, being outraged and getting t-shirts made up and placards and things like, why why can you live in the midst of this? Is it pie-in-the-sky false stuff? Well, no, not at all, because we can be those who look forward to lasting global peace, and that's our third point this morning. This isn't a pipe dream. This isn't wishful thinking. It's not like looking forward to another superhero to to rise up and and, and somehow through science and innovation and technology and arrogance um, be able to defeat another enemy. No, this is God's promised shalom, something he brings that we need, that none of us can achieve, no matter how hard we try. A peace that can be known and experienced and will be one day fully known and experienced by those who love and trust him. Have a listen afresh now, if we jump to the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. You remember the first angel that spoke to the the, uh, shepherds? You know, a a pretty average class of people at the time. That's God's way. He talks to those... um, He talks to to those on the fringes, the the, the minority, those who are often shunned by society and don't have power. And he sends his his angel, and then after the angel's declared this good news, he's joined by this army of angels. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. They're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased can be difficult for us to live in this life with this missing piece. Some of us get angry about it, some of us are deeply discouraged and we despair, we give up looking for it or hoping for it. Some of us feel powerless, it's a debilitating thing. We feel that way in the midst of things that are beyond our control and we don't have any any say over in our lives. Or perhaps you're someone who, and let's face it, is inclined um, to give up looking and anticipating for peace to come. Maybe you've um, conditioned yourself to somehow no longer care, to kind of put concrete over it and to focus perhaps only on your own peace, what you can control. Well, I'm just going to live a peaceful life. Hey, this is a great place to do that, by the way, the Manning Valley. And I know a lot of people move here for that reason and rightly so because you can do something to manage the chaos in your life, Right. But maybe you've given up with that kind of pursuit and you're starting to condition yourself to be comfortable here in our lifestyle and in the peace that we experience. in well, announcing Christ's birth, the angels gloriously dec- declare that, that, that that's not peace, that there is this peace that God brings. And this is the key to true and lasting peace for all people. There's an offer available right now as... Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5, it says it's like a calling to all of us who would come, uh, descendants of Jacob. That is us, those who have been grafted into the family through faith in Christ. Come, all of you descendants, let us walk together in the light of the Lord. That's what it means to be people who look forward to global peace. Let's walk in the light of the Lord. I wonder, do you look forward to that day? Do you long for it? Are you someone who lives in anticipation Of god's lasting peace in the world are you someone that actually is able to to look at that and fix your eyes on that and and go through and experience and work through and even be a joy and an encouragement to others as you live your life focused in anticipation of this joy i must confess that this wonderful truth to me is what christmas is really all about this time of the year i love this season I, i know it can be a really busy time ironically right we try and tear around and celebrate Christmas. You know, it's funny, isn't it? We just make it a far more chaotic and less peaceful time. Um, But in the midst of that busyness, in the midst of that uncertainty, we can be reminded, as I am each season, that in thinking about Jesus' first coming, there's his imminent second coming to look forward to. And it'll be his second and final coming. There's only two comings. And with it, his second coming and his final coming will come this everlasting global peace peace not just in our time but peace for all time and for all people who trust Jesus Father we thank you um, this morning for the joy that this season can bring not because of glitter or tinsel or consumerism or Black Friday deals or whatever it is uh, so trite and fickle uh, that the best of us can think up in this world. We thank you for the joy that can be known through you. We thank you for the joy that you promise, the hope that knowing you brings, and the anticipation, the expectation that we can have that there will be lasting global peace. Father, in the meantime, we pray that you would sharpen our uh, minds, attune our ears, um, focus our attention on where we can live out that peace in ways that draw people to you, in ways that um, bear witness to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. At this time, um, we again ask your forgiveness for the times that we fail in that area, for the times we uh, think about ourselves, for the times that we um, get despairing and overwhelmed by all the chaos around us, the, the pain, the suffering, the troubles that we, that we live through. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would renew in us a fresh vision, vision, the one that Isaiah could only tell in part, and that in the Lord Jesus we see fully, and that we await his second coming to see completely and for all time. And we ask this in his mighty name. Amen.